Welcome to season two of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen's podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership developed this podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin. Today, we have a fun episode. Last fall, Matt McFarlane with the California Cattlemen joined us for an episode at the end of the fall bull sale run. And today, he's going to join us right before it gets going. But before we talk about that, we just wrapped up in Reno at the Western Video Market Sale. And I wanted to get Matt on the phone. Um, He just left yesterday and just talk about that sale, prices that people were getting at the sale and just kind of all about it. So Matt, thanks for joining me this morning. No problem, Katie. Thanks for having me. Last episode, I know it was in October, but you mentioned things were going to get Western. And I was wondering if the prices that we saw in Reno is what you were talking about. They were a little Western. It was really good. I think it's, it's we're still a ways away from what I was talking about last fall just because of the moisture issue, you know, and the drought. We've even liquidated more cows, so there's a lot of ranches sitting, waiting for grass to grow and cattle to be on them, so... I think we're still haven't hit the high yet for sure. I mean, this last uh, three days in Reno at the Western video sale were phenomenal. It's the best Western video sale I've ever been to from top to bottom, just because all classes and, and everything brought probably 10 to 15 bucks, a hundred more than what everybody kind of budgeted or anticipated for. It was just really active and a lot of fun. It was nice to see the customers that are selling cattle there this time of year, have smiles on their faces and breathe a little relief, you know, considering what we all know is high input costs, the highest input costs, costs we've probably ever had in terms of, uh, you know, feed, water, resources, energy, you name it. So it was just nice that they could breathe a little easier knowing that they had a really good uh, sale day and a payday because, you know, as we, as you know, most, most cattlemen get paid once a year, you know, when they sell it well, for the most part. And uh, that was the payday for a lot of my customers that I deal with through the magazine and that are members of CCA as well as, you know, customers I deal with all over the Western U.S. with M3 Marketing and what they do with their product. Uh, I really enjoy what I do because I do get the chance to product, you know, send those, sell them a bull that's going to produce their product. So I get to see both both ends of the spectrum, if you will, helping them select their genetics and then seeing them get paid for them on the other end. So it was kind of, it was just a really enjoyable three days that nobody, I think, anticipated to be that good. And it's, commend, I commend the consigners for, you know, continually stepping up and doing more to make their product more attractive in terms of the programs and the genetics that they're using, as well as uh, commend Western Video Market and their staff and, and their sales staff on just putting on a tremendously good event. It was a lot of fun. You've been going to most of their sales for the last 25 years? Pushing 25 years. It's not quite there yet, but almost 25 years. Yeah, I've been going. I've only missed a handful throughout the years, but you know, I didn't leave there like feel like I was worn out. It was just so much fun to work and see the activity and the fast pace. We, we couldn't sell it fast or high enough just because the demand was so high. Made my job fun. I'm sure the auctioneers would mimic that statement as well and the other ringmen, but it was, God, it was fun. Yeah, I would agree just from being there and socializing with people, it was fun. So it was their 33rd sale. You mentioned it just a second ago, but something we're continuing to see is more and more added value programs like GAP, NHTC, Verified Natural. From what you saw at the sale, what were kind of the programs making the real difference for people in price? 
Oh, I think you just named them all. I mean, as long as they're source and age verified and, and have some sort of gap program behind them. And the genetics, I think, are playing a huge part right now, too. I think that uh, if you look at some of the, you know, programs that breed associations have, particularly maybe the Angus in terms of their, their age and source verification, you know, and their genetic measurements that they're using in terms of DNA technology and things like that, that they're they're throwing out there on the bull, bull, bull battery that's siring those calves. I mean, you you did see a Anything that was kind of program related, not just a commodity baller, was you know bringing, uh, I would guess, 15 to 18 dollars more than their counterpart that wasn't, you know, maybe more in some cases on a really elite select group of cattle. But you know, and, and we were seeing more and more producers that probably hadn't done that before taking advantage of it, which is great. It's easy to do. It's it's a little bit of paperwork and some, you know, it, it's not easy, I guess. That's a, but it's just a little bit more work that you're already doing. And to see some people do it year after year, and then, the, you know, as commodity cattle, then the first year they do it, they get a huge bump in their premium for their cattle. It's it's great to see that it paid off for them, and I think it will continue to go that route as we move forward. And the people that are representing those companies are, are really good resources to help you through it. I mean, a lot of them I know pretty well, and, you know, as long as you have an open line communication with them, they can get you through it pretty, pretty painlessly, I think. Do you think the additional value will still remain, or will it just kind of become the standard? I think it'll still remain. I mean, it's just like anything that if a few people are doing it, then it is a premium. And then as, as everybody does, it kind of levels out. But I still think it hasn't shown that, you know, the more and more people do it, it really still is a big premium over the commodity cattle. That spread has not changed much, I don't think, over the years, even though more people are doing it. So, I mean, I guess it's it'll become the buyer's power at that point and they can probably sure. soften up. I don't know. I mean, it, right now, if it's paying, I would do it. I don't, we'll see what happens in the future. But I know, like, you know, there was four or five major buyers of those program cattle and going to Texas and Idaho and Washington and some other parts in between, you know, there's, they're still going to give a premium for them. I think for many years to come, I don't, I, the, the cattle are working for them or they wouldn't be paying for what they're paying for them right now until there's an over abundance of them that they can kind of pick and choose. Then they're not, they're going to have to get them. I touched base on, on that Facebook post about, you know, the Northwest is getting two or three kill plants put they'll be functioning here within the next i would guess six months to maybe eight nine months maybe a year um and they're starting to source those cattle too for those programs and and all of that is just going to continue to add value to the, especially out here on the west coast where we're kind of regional and you know especially with the cost of diesel right now to get a cat you know a load of calves to the kansas on feed and or whatever wherever you're going it's they're going to pay a little bit more for them, I think, up in the Northwest for those programs. And you're going to get a premium because you don't have to put diesel under them to get them to the Midwest. And right now, that's one of the big things is trucking, you know, that's that's probably our biggest cost. I don't know. I was, there's just a lot of exciting things going on in, in the face of all the negativity in our crazy world right now that I think there's a ton of positives in the cattle business that we're, even with the drought, even with the pressures of urban sprawl, whatever, there's still a ton of good things going on right now. And I'm very, you know, after that sale, it just, it enthused me. It encouraged me. It put a shot in my arm as far as my motivation. And it was just so much fun and such a, a positive event. You know, it, it'll re, revamp a lot of people and, and re-enthuse. And, and I, I just can't wait to see where it goes, especially if Mother Nature ever agrees with us. I'm glad you mentioned the Northwest adding regional value in the next couple of years you figure that'll continue to impact the market? Oh yeah, I do. Because as those, I mean, as long as they find a source to, you know, sell their product to, which I'm not going to lie, I don't know what their avenues are for that, but I think that they're in place or they wouldn't have started to do it. And 
you know, I, I don't want to mention names, but like, you know, Riverbend uh, Farm sure stepped up there and bought a lot of cattle and their plant is coming along good. I know that they're planning on possibly opening it within the next five to seven months. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But and they stepped up and bought a lot of cattle and Prime Pursuits is, is going strong and Painted Hills and, and Beef Northwest. There was so much activity on those cattle up there. I mean, it's just there's a severe demand for them or they wouldn't be paying that for them, you know. So I, I think that as those programs in the Northwest get going, it's just going to be another source for people to earn a little more income because they'll be fighting over their cattle a little more. So the Western U.S. has some tremendously high quality cattle and got to be a good demand for them regardless of where they go, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, definitely. I know you see cattle all across the country. Let's talk about the upcoming bull sale run. When does that start for you and where, where do you start at? Uh, it generally starts around uh, the 1st of September. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get a string of those Central Valley bull sales starting up around the first of September on that Thursday, whatever that Thursday is right in there and goes for, I don't know, probably a month or so pretty solid. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, the, another thing that was exciting and I hate to keep referring to Western video, but the female sale at the end of that sale was really good. I know, uh, we sold some bread heifers for Herb Hosepple for over 3000 or right crazy. out of 3000. I didn't anticipate that yet. I mean, I knew the females were going to be good, but I was, you know, waiting for a little shot of rain, but, all the cattle that sold in that sale sold really well. I mean, the the females end of things, even the spring bread. So with the liquidation of cows, that is a positive to see that people are still wanting some, some females. Butcher cows were at an all-time high pretty much for, you know, beef price. Same with the bulls. So they, people are going to have some more money in that respect to buy re- good replacements and or good bulls this fall. I know I talked to one producer from down there in Farmington area that told me that any bull he had that was just a little bit off, they shipped in when they pulled them out of the cows. If they, you know, were old or had just any questionable issues, they shipped them because they were they were getting 2,500 bucks for a cull bull. They didn't have to feed him over the summer, into November, whenever they turn out, and and they can go take that money and save on that hay, which is really expensive or whatever they're putting them out on the ground. They put them out on, and take that money and and put it towards a new bull, a younger bull that's got better genetics and and not pay probably too much more than that compared to what they, they bought the previous bull for. So those are some positives going into the bull sale season, I think, that are really good, you know, uh, that are going to help us out. But it's all going to come down to volume and numbers. And, and, the, and, you know, our cow herd has been liquidated a little bit more even from last year. People have tightened the strings. I can't sit here and tell you crystal ball. I think the good bulls are still going to bring really good money. I think this, it's going to be a volume issue, and we'll see what that happens. Most of the purebred breeders I've talked to have cut their numbers a little bit just to, you know, the, their costs are also at an all-time high. So if anything that was on the borderline on the gray area, whether you want to keep him a bull or not, he automatically, you know, went in the steer pin. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I don't have a crystal ball. I mean, the the good programs I think are get along great. And, and the ones that have, you know, a, a long-time reputation and good standings with their customers and great relationships with their customers are going to do just fine. Uh, especially if they maybe trim their numbers a little bit. I'm, yeah, I'm, people are having to be a little optimistic. more selective. Yeah, I'm been, I'm really optimistic what I've seen. I've been through you know two or three of the feedlots and and ranches that are you know looked through been through quite a few bulls and you know we're these purebred breeders out here are doing a phenomenal job of 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 getting a good product out there. You know, in all breeds, not just Angus, which is the majority of what I work with, but. I mean, there's, there, I've seen some really, really good sets of bulls. With all the numbers we have now on EPDs from disposition to calving ease, what are one or two of them that are you seeing starting to make a big difference that people might not know about? Or what are a oh, few of the big I ones? Think, I think one of the 
good ones just within the Angus breed. The, the, the docility deal is, is, I think is legitimate. People are starting to not only pay attention to it, but utilize it and make sure that that stays within their parameters just from a disposition standpoint, because I think that data is real. All the, I mean, I, I hate to refer just to Angus, but I know other breeds are doing it too, but um, you know, this DNA data that's coming in on a lot of this stuff is is getting more and more relevant and legitimate and accurate and correspondingly so has changed their EPD. So I think the reliability of the numbers is uh, getting better, uh, especially with all this DNA, DNA technology. Another, oh, I don't know what else would, I mean, I think everybody still is looking for cavities or not, not nothing extreme in terms of birth. They still want as much performance as they can get. There's some other traits that, you know, I think the Herf Association has an, an utter, couple other scores, EPDs, teat size and other score EPDs that are pretty relevant, but I still think that's a trait. Maybe you, you still need to, you know, maternally look at it and feet and leg structure and those kind of things are still things you have to look at. I definitely am not a proponent of just buying something based out of what I see in a catalog and not actually seeing the bull in person at some point. So I just, I, I, I'm still trying to balance things in terms of what I do for my customers that they, they still have to be functional. They still have to walk, they still have to get to water, they have to travel feed. I mean, and those traits sometimes get overlooked by, you know, extreme numbered cattle that are look great on paper, but when you see them in person, they probably don't, you know, there's something wrong with them in terms of functionality that you don't like. So I still like to balance things out for people and try and balance, tell them to make sure they're still booked. have great numbers, but make sure that they can get out and do a job. Yeah. So you use EPDs more as a tool, not as the final say. Or... It is. It's just, it's just a great tool to have. It's, you know, it's a great way to predict performance and carcass and all the things that we need to uh, be, be sustainable in the cattle business, but you know, to be sustainable out on the, in the, out on the, you know, whatever environment you're running in, you know, there's some, you know, you do, I, I personally still think you need to look at them pretty hard. So our July, August magazine, the big monster, um, we just wrapped it up actually while we we're at the video sale, it should be out at the end of July. What is your advice for people looking through that producers as they're going through all the great offerings in it? What approach would you advise them to take? If you're interested, call the person and talk to them. I mean, that's that's my biggest advice is establish some sort of contact, ask the right questions, make sure that they're doing the things that you want to do. You know, they're emphasizing the things and raising an environment that you want your cattle to be similar to and raised in. You know, if you're looking for heifer bulls, make sure they got quality cavities, direct numbers and birth numbers and pedigrees that aren't uh, heavier birth. The big thing for me is to make sure that you know, I, I talk or text or email or whatever, you know, for my job a lot. And so communication's key just to anything. And, and if you're, you want to find out something about a program, ask them. And if they don't want to surrender all the information you're looking for, then move on to the next one, you know, you know, but it just kind of depends on what you need. You need cow bulls, heifer bulls, Charley, Angus, Hereford, Red Angus, whatever, reach out. I mean, I know most purebred breeders are really really reproachable because they are trying to sell their bulls but at the same time the, the integrity and in the people i work with i think is phenomenal and and i think that they uh represent their programs you know honestly and fairly and i think if you just reach out and talk to them and find out what they're if they have what you're looking for that's the biggest thing i mean everybody's looking for something different to fit their environment because not everybody you know that's the great thing about the cattle business is not two breeders are raising them exactly the same you know we all we all have different irrigated pasture, dry feed, mountain, BLM, whatever. We got, we all have different places we're running these cows and they, we got to emphasize different traits to make them sustainable. California's a unique place with lots of different climates. Like you said, lots of different variables. Yeah. So step one might just be determine what your own needs are. 
And if you know if you just had a real successful marketing year, make sure you go back and do that again. Use the same genetics that are that got you there first place. And if anybody can, and I mean not everybody sells and get data back. You know, there's a, <clears throat> we have some of the great sale yards in in the nation. I think in terms of marketing your cattle, and and a lot of people use that and aren't on the video. The yards will gladly communicate to you who bought your cattle and how they did for them. And I mean, if they can, not always the cattle trade hands when they're the two season grass cattle certainly get sold twice you probably get a little harder to find them when they're you know they winter in california then go to colorado to grass and then go to the feedlot it's it's a little harder to find but again in the in our age in our day and age it's it's not too hard to source where they are and where they came from i mean all these programs are there for a reason so if you do want to find out how your cattle did i think you can do it if you uh if you keep track but once you find out if your customers are happy with them then they can i mean it's just like selling bulls to your customers if, you, if they're not happy with your product, you can't sell it again. Ask them what you want to change. Well, hopefully the prices we saw in Reno will be reflective of prices that you're going to see this fall. How many miles do you think you put on your truck in the fall, Matt? Um, it's probably not as extreme as you would think. I mean, I'm, I live just outside of Sacramento, so I'm going north. Oh, as far north as Modoc County, as far south as Bakersfield, even over to San, San Luis Obispo. So I'm... I'm only gone in California maybe six, eight, ten nights out of the out of the fall because I can be home. If I'm within, I don't know, four or five hours of home, I come home. I, I couldn't tell you how many miles, but it's probably not as extreme as... as not as extreme as, as the spring? Yeah, the spring is, is a little more spread out. We will let you get back to recovering from the video sale. But thank you so much for chatting with me this morning and... Yep. And if anybody has any questions, they can uh, get a hold of me. Like I said, open lines communication. I'll be glad to help them any way I can. Thanks, Matt. That sounds great. All right. Thanks, Giddy. All right. We'll talk to you later.